no more bullshit. Dig it? No more bullshit. You want answers? CliffCentral.com And welcome to Stuff Central on Cliff Central, your weekly everything you need to know and more show. <laughs> I'm starting to warm up to this, it seems. Anyway, uh, my name is Toby Shapshak. My day job is editing that lovely little publication, both in print and online, Stuff Magazine. I'm joined by the estimable John Tullett, man of many things and editor of everything at itweb.co.za. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, Toby. How it goes? Very good. And I'm joined by another everyman of the of the technology and media space, Liron Sirov. Sirgov. So close. So close. Well, how, how, Segev. Segev. Ah. Liron Segev, the, uh, the, the the consultant who became a brilliant blogger and sometimes journalist, but a man who knows his way around things. Fun, Hello. fun, fun. Thanks for having me. This is going to be an awesome show. Ready to talk all things tech and cuck. Indeed. And so what would you say is the big news of the of the week? I like this whole Money for Jam platform that's just launched. Yeah. And I find out they've got 100,000 jobs already lined up. And if you look at 15 rand a job, that's 1.5 million rand ready to be grabbed on the launch day of 11th of August. Indeed. Well, let's just explain what that is because we've actually, we're having them on uh, on radio next week, I think. And uh, what it is, is it's a, it's a kind of micro work. There, there are other examples of this, but... Um, it's coming to the WeChat platform. It's called Money for Jam M4J, I think the acronym is. Mm. And what it is 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 you have to go do small little tasks, things like confirming a location of a restaurant or something on Google Maps. Or uh, so so you you get a little assignment that's nearby you. You go, you check it, you take a photograph, you upload it, and off you go. And it's being done through the the WeChat platform, and it's a great idea. So oh. what's a million and a half rands worth of of income for people? Who um you know have really the time but sure. not uh not the income so good 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 news it's uh, it has the potential to grow into a much bigger thing don't you think look I, I do like the fact that they've used WeChat you know kind of that platform is growing quite quite large in South Africa um and the fact is that it's for people who have got some spare time and literally you can do a little job takes you a couple of minutes uploaded get some money into a virtual money account hosted by MTN. And then you're ready to spend it whenever, whenever you want. So I think it's very, very cool. Funny, fun, finally, someone is actually doing something about unemployment that's real, as opposed to kind of just having a chat about we should be empowering small businesses. Yeah, yes, yes. I mean, for everything you always hear about the taxi yeah. industry and what's wrong with it, and there is, there are many uh, uh, <laughs> challenges. <laughs> challenges. <laughs> what you, what you never hear the taxi industry talk about is capacity constraint, do you? Yeah, but it, it, does, it does empower a lot of the panel beaters and keeps them in business. So at least that, it's, uh, that it does. Johnny, your news of the week, what would you say? So the, the story that I've been, I've been following with a great deal of interest is the, the Gmail uh, child porn story. Did you come across that? Yeah. I, uh, I've not, had a not the child slow... porn. You didn't mean to come across the child <laughs> so, porn. You meant to come across Gmail story. So, so, yes, okay. I have is... not, so please. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has interested me because everyone's basically got it so horribly wrong. Uh, the the lowdown is this. Basically, um, uh, Gmail identified child porn in somebody's account, turned them over to the authorities. Cue a lot of uh, hysteria about how dare Google go through our email looking for stuff, gross invasion of privacy, etc., etc., um, and it's completely missing the point. 
basically. So there, there are a couple of issues here. Uh, and But the main one is that actually, I mean, Google, yes, does go through your mail. That's how they figure out what ads to show and what to turn over to the NSA and stuff like that. But uh, in this case, actually, there's a, a database of millions of child porn images, which is maintained uh, as a list of hashes. And those hashes are distributed to guys like Gmail and Microsoft and Dropbox and so on. And they're required by law to alert the authorities when there's a hit, right? So all Google has to do is keep a hash of the files that they've got in email attachments and in Drive and so on. They get this database of hashes from the authorities, and, and they just compare them. It's a very simple database lookup. And any time there's a hit, they just alert the authorities. The authorities decide whether they're going to then get a warrant and pursue an investigation. At no point does Google actually know what's in the image in question. It's just a hash. So yeah. uh, it's plus, a yeah, exactly. So, and plus, of course, it's very clear in the terms and conditions that they do go through your mail, they they do analyze it so they can display ads, and they do turn over child porn. So um, I think the, the privacy hysteria has been very overblown. Uh, I, th- I thought it was a very interesting look behind the scenes at how this stuff works. Not the first time. Uh, Microsoft went through a similar exercise last year, turning somebody over. Dropbox has done similar stuff before. You know, this has been going on for years. But it was a... Uh, it was interesting to see a little bit more of the mechanics revealed, kind of how the how the hashes are maintained. Um, but also, of course, it, it did raise the question again of just how much analysis of our content are we happy with? Yeah, and I and I um I I, I you know I don't I don't know the specifics, but it does really sound like a software robot did it, not oh, yeah. the Google. It wasn't the Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was Nobody the said. Google's robot <laughs> yeah. that did it. But nonetheless, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's fucking child porn. Exactly. Really, you know. You should be encouraging Thank God. Exactly. 100%. I, I'm sorry. There's certain categories, I think, that, that, are, that, that, you know, my father always used to say when he was explained, explaining Judaism to me, he said this, God's law is always higher than the law of the land. The Jews found themselves living in different countries, and therefore they had to follow the law of the land, which was often in conflict with, you know, the law of the people or the law of the God's God's law. So, so in some instances, I think there's some things that are more important than, you know, it's yeah. child porn. Hundred percent, and they were clear, quite clear as well because they said, look, if you're going to send an email to your friend to saying we're going to hold up the liquor store, we can't look for that kind of stuff. We're not. No. That's not what we're after. It's about yeah. those specifically red flagged images that yeah. have been told by authorities we need to look out for. Yeah. And and again, Google doesn't actually know what the images are. They only have you know, an a, ID, a hash of it. That, yeah. That's all. So I mean, a part of it, of course, here is that criminals are stupid. That's how they get caught, right? You could change one pixel in that image and it would no longer match the hash. Standard. So, all this on so the, these people are dumb. But yeah, I, I think the child porn thing actually is a, is a bit of a, a red herring, to be honest. Um, I, I, don't, I don't really care what it is it's it's a database of illegal stuff that google is required by law to alert the authorities if they get a hit and they did so mm-hmm. you know they did what they were supposed to do turns out the guy in question is a registered sex offender anyway you know so i mean he was probably red flagged as it is ex- exactly That's right so i mean this this to me actually looks like the the privacy mechanisms doing their job, the wheels of justice doing their job, and actually everything basically mm. worked out. The whole privacy hysteria... The voice of reason, John Tullett, <laughs> once again. <laughs> Damn. Well, the word. Um. Voice, when you put the headphones on, your voice sounds very loud in your ears. Sorry. Just as an aside. Sidebar. But, um, you know, the whole thing of if it's free, you are the product. Uh, at the end of the day, we've got a system that allowed billions of people to connect and upload everything that they want at zero cost. 
they've got to monetize this by watching content. They've got to give you the right ads. And frankly, if they're going to give me an ad, I might as well be an, an ad that I'm interested in versus kind of right-handed spotted condoms, which I've got no urge yeah. to kind of well, go through. So here's an interesting Bad choice of the word right urge in a condom <laughs> advert. <laughs> Let, let's, let's say hypothetically that you wanted to display relevant Google ads to terrorists. But, but uh, right. just before we do that, look, there's management out on the floor oh, no, God. looking at us. Through a very clean window, I believe. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so uh, I think my news of the day, don't worry about me. Let me finish where I was going with this. So if oh, there's a point. Hold up. Sometimes I have a point. Right. If you wanted to display contextual ads to terrorists, right? So you wanted to detect the right keywords in their messages and show them ads for, I don't know, Prada bomb vests or something. Yeah, that that strikes me as being exactly the kind <laughs> the of an season's ad. puffer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Secret inner lining. <laughs> yeah, that strikes me as being the kind of analytical capability that the NSA gets very, very damp and moist about. Right. So I I just so many I'd, so many comments. Don't, so I don't for a moment believe that that kind of capability is is not a major reason why the NSA backdoored the, the Google data center because they wanted to be able because you've got you've got that analytical capability. Yeah. So and yet, yes you can identify you know generic badness that is not in a database of known hashes. So yeah. So there are privacy questions, but this was not part of it. Anyway, that was my point. I've got a question. Um, Toby, do you have any news of this week? That's quite oh, interesting. Well, thank you, Liran. I was, I was going How did to, you um, know? <laughs> oh. Well, I was, uh, I was going to talk about this, uh, this very clever and cheap phone from Vodacom, the Smart Kicker, right. for 550 Rand. This is my triumph for the consumer when I started stuff that I rounded everything up from 549 to 550 Rand. Thank I you. Do, I do, I do believe I'm fighting the, this the world. Fight. Thanks you, Toby. Thank you. Thank you, John. <laughs> On behalf of the world, thank you very much. Yeah. And um, and I just think it's a great little device. You know, I, I'm going to choose it as my gadget of the week as well. But I, but what it shows you is is a couple of things. One that that it's possible to make a good cheap phone. You know, in 2010, Peter Ace, who was still the CEO of Vodacom, had to skip going to see a game of of football to see this. Was it was a smartphone for forty dollars, and it was very basic and it was very crap. The screen wasn't good. The interaction wasn't good. It required like three or four clicks. This uh, this smart kick, I'm not sure who it's made by. I, you know, I, I know Vodafone does a lot of stuff with ZTE, but whatever it is, it is absolutely fine. For the, the entry-level first-time smartphone users, it's got a smallish screen. Um, is it as small as an iPhone? <laughs> uh, I think it might be even smaller than that. 3.5-inch LED screen. Uh, the usual storage, 5.12 of RAM, 1 gig dual-core MediaTek processor, but it also has the latest version of, of Android KitKat, mm. 4.4. That's, cool. That's surprising. Which, which is, which is, which is a, a real demonstration of the economies of scale of the world that it is now possible to produce a, mm. uh, let's say, a 50 or 40, $50 phone that is just this good, and it really is this good. It's 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 perfectly adequate, and 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 it's it's um it's the kind of phone that I expect to see filling the vacuum that's going to be left when the Nokia ashes and and bottom range phones are are depleted out of the market in the next eighteen months by Microsoft. So so very very interesting device, and I and I'm going to use it as my as my gadget of the week because this is a this it demonstrates a couple of things. I mean the 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 
MTN Stepper actually was yeah. the first one that did. I think that was made by Alcatel, if I'm not mistaken. And it's it's very it's very profound, very um, clear way of showing that that people are willing to to have a, a, a no name brand, as it were, as long as it's good enough and it does the the jobs uh, effectively. But it but the, the the bigger picture, unfortunately, is that when Nokia that that mid range Nokia market is is no longer available. Um, the people who are going to rush in to fill it are likely to be the, the, the Chinese manufacturers, the Huawei, the Xiaomi, Xiaomi, Xiaomi yeah. yeah. Um, and and they, I mean, they are officially now the largest smartphone manufacturer in China, in China is that right? Mm-hmm. So, overtaking I mean, Samsung. Yeah. So, growing by leaps and bounds. Xiaomi. Xiaomi. Yeah. That I spelled that, China. No, <laughs> X-I-A-O-M-I. Yeah. Oh, I give up. <laughs> John Tallon is the editor of everything. So, 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 you know, real competition. Samsung considers themselves a premium brand, and they are. And um, the mm. premium market is full. Their their economies, their their mm. revenues, been declining for the last few quarters. It has, yeah. Um, and and people have bought so 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 very good, good quality, usable. And I uh, think that's key. Though, entry level device for you know, 550 rand. You know, I've been looking quite critically at the apps that I use uh, for the last couple of weeks, and with the exception of of a couple of quite demanding apps. Most of them would run very happily on a low-end smartphone. The keys for me are going to be things like the quality of the screen, battery life, stuff like that. But quality of the picture. But look, you know, if this is your first smartphone and it has a camera yep. and it is a smartphone and and and, yeah, yep. it's and, going to be. But they've packed quite a bit into this. I mean, it's got Bluetooth, it's got Wi-Fi. Yeah. And nice thing is that the phone itself is quality. I mean, we've had rubbish phones in the past where someone's mm. got a container from overseas and said, well. We can't sell this crap anywhere else. I'm sure Africa would love it. Uh, you know, battery falls out as you shake it, things of that nature. And Africans have kind of turned around and said, well, we want good devices, but we're not prepared to sell, settle for crap. Hmm. Um, and this is a good quality phone. And the fact is that the big brands are putting their stamp on it, like an MTN, like a Vodacom, shows confidence because they're the ones going to have to deal with any repercussion that comes out of that. So if anybody's phones blow up whilst it's being charged, it's not going to go, oh, rubbish cheap phones are going to go, oh, rubbish Vodacom for bringing us this rubbish cheap phone. So if they're putting their stamp of approval on it... I'm just going to let the many grammar problems in uh, the details. previous few sentences <laughs> go. Moving. Hey, John, pluggers. Uh, okay, hold on. This is Cliff Central. You can say anything, how you like, where you want to, how you want to, moving along, people. And we won't judge you for it, Leron. Uh, I give up. <laughs> See, this is what happens anyway, when all-world journal is in a room kind of with headphones on. So this is, so this is you're obviously thinking about all of these apps, John, because you is that a, is that a Windows Surface I see before me. Dude, that is not just a Windows Surface. This is a Windows Surface RT. This is possibly the worst tablet in the world ever. <laughs> what are you really going to have to? You're going to have to explain a bit more for uh, the, the listeners. That, uh, it was Microsoft's attempt to make a tablet, and, and, and in a bizarre decision they forked uh intel based processors for the surface and then arm based processor arms the the the, the architecture used in most mm. smartphones made generally by qualcomm um and this is rt is the arm version for which there are an abundance of apps are there not yes there are at least five <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so basically what you have i mean the whole the whole point of a windows tablet is that it's basically a, a tiny laptop right so you can run all your regular Windows apps, and it uses Windows 8.1, which yeah, obviously opinions vary. But so the, the basic point is that you have 
it's a Windows ecosystem, so you can run your Windows apps. And if you have tons of Windows apps, that's not a bad thing. Except that none of them support Windows RT. So all of your basic Windows executables, all those EXEs that you download, none of them work. So basically, this is what happens when you take Windows and lock it down so much that all you can do is download Minesweeper at 96 megabytes. <laughs> wow, <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I kid you not. So it's, I mean, it's just, it's just shocking. The, I mean, this is the, I think the first gen RT tablet. Um, it's, no, I lie, it's actually the second gen RT tablet. It's, and it's, it's abysmal. The performance is shocking. The, uh, the OS is dire. It has no apps. I mean, it's, it's, just so you nasty. highly, highly recommend this. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're, 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 <laughs> wit- you're witnessing a moment in ocean, uh, a, a moment in history. Liran and our three or four listeners, you are you are witnessing John Tullet discover uh, something he hates more than Dell. <laughs> Dell consumer. This is, uh, this is this is truly horrendous. Actually, so here's an interesting story. I, I I said a while ago, and I maintain that that Microsoft is well positioned in the tablet war. I think they could do exceptionally well, and there's a really good example of that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, completely forgetting what you just said five minutes ago. Carry on, so, yes, well positioned. So this thing in front of me, the Windows RT, is a complete piece of crap. So you should you should buy it for your your worst enemy and give it to them as a Christmas present. Um, however, the 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 Surface Pros, the with Intel based, it's basically just a, a very skinny computer. Uh, they're actually very very good, and I I like it because my entire office workspace, if you like, is is built around a Windows environment. So I like the idea of having a tablet that I can just kind of clip into a, a, a docking station at work and have multiple screen support and fast Ethernet and stuff like that. And it's all great. Uh, and a really good example of that, ironically, is Dell. The Dell Venue is exactly that. It's a it's a very competent Windows Surface tablet running Intel, thank God, um, that has dock support, has multiple screens. So you can actually have two external screens and your tablet screen running at the same time. Phenomenal, a really, really cool uh, solution. Yeah. I think, I think for work, business workplaces, that is a phenomenal solution. And that now, especially, we're, we're seeing the tablet downturn. We seem to be kind of hitting saturation, tablet sales starting to decline because people just basically aren't replacing them. Uh, yeah, you buy a tablet once, people tend to stick with it for a long time. Uh, now, I think, is the point where Microsoft could start to tackle that business tablet market. They will probably screw it up. Their strategy <laughs> for now has been pretty bad, but. Interestingly, because I was going to say that yeah, this, the Samsung Notebook, well. what do they call them, Tab Pro, Samsung Tab Pro. So those are those like yep. 12-inch laptop uh, tablets. And they, I kind of look at them and think it's just too big. Yep. But, but add a keyboard and suddenly you've got most of the What's functionality that you need. And if they can yep. do that docking oh, and so extending key, uh, yep. screen stuff, that's really great. Yeah, so there's another point that I should mention actually. So this, the, this RT comes with a little flip keyboard. Um, it's with a built-in key, a built-in keyboard cover. It's, yep, it's the it's the worst keyboard in existence. <laughs> it has. Well, I mean, you should do their marketing. <laughs> <laughs> so it has it has no there's no travel on the keys, so you actually have no way of knowing if you've pushed a key or not, which means most of the time you end up stabbing at it annoyedly while waiting for it to register the fact that you've hit a key. It's really really bad. Actually, I I met with the the guy who who heads up ergonomics at, at Dell. Um, and I was talking about that, and they had something similar to this, and they scrapped it. It was it was a disaster. So basically, Microsoft, with this device, Microsoft managed to condense everything that's wrong with a tablet into one device. So I suppose okay. if so, you're saying if you're going to make all your mistakes yeah. good in one, one go, right? So you're saying if you're going to 
do all things wrong. Yeah. This is it. Oh yeah. You can't actually get. Yeah. yeah. No, this is this is. I mean, this is so bad. It's it's funny. Uh, it's the, funny. The, the the Pro Range is good. So they're now in the third generation of Pro tablets, and and they're good devices. So they they are insanely expensive for what you're getting, unfortunately. And that is that is a problem. And I believe Microsoft is trying to bring the price down. But but they're good, uh, and they're going in the right direction. And I still maintain they have they, they can get serious traction. But this thing, uh-uh. uh-uh not so <laughs> but, but tablets as a whole, I mean, kind of are, you know, they used to be cool when they came out. You couldn't get your hands for love or money on an iPad. Um, and it was like the coolest thing ever. Nowadays, I think we're a little bit over it. If you get an insurance paid out for your tablet because you happen to break it, you're not in a big rush to go out and grab yourself another tablet. No, it's And they were so good initially for watching movies and you know, listening to music and the odd book here and there. But there's just no reason to go and upgrade yet another tablet. So hmm. even I, I mean the iPad, they're saying they they were they were down again um, this quarter, yep. and the iPad is now 27% of the overall tablet market. So go they say that by 2017 they'll the growth of tablets will go into single digits. But as you said, the Surface Pro and things that are fast and actually I don't know what's that word useful. Okay, you know you might want to be able to take a USB stick every once in a while. Those things are really, really going to kind of carry on and drive it, drive the mobility forward. I, I'm, I'm interested to see how this is going to play out among children because it, it, it it's actually terrifying to watch how fast a small child can get, yes. can familiarize themselves with the interface of a tablet. But the, interesting, the, the youth market are kind of saying, well, you know, I don't see why you're making a big deal about the size of your phones. We're happy with a five-inch tablet, tablet, I don't know what it, 5.5 inch. And we happily watch our movies on that and sit on two hours on a plane and play games and watch a video on that. Why would we need to shell out some more money for another device that yeah, can do less? I, I must say that I, the, the, the combination of a smartphone, an iPhone, and a laptop, a very thin, light laptop, I, I find us, I use the, the iPad less and less, less and less and less. less, and, less. Just, and I use it because I use it at home. I leave it in the lounge. I move it next to the bed. If I forget it next to the bed and in the lounge, then I just use my phone again. I think that's the that's the way so many people respond to it. I um I disagree with you about the USB having to right. put a USB in a in a tablet. I don't think that's ever going to be an issue. Not with the cloud anymore. Cloud services are getting better and better. And maybe I'm just talking it up because I'm getting fiber to the home sometime in the next ah, six to eight weeks. I hate you. So, so I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. bring it on, baby, bring on, bring almost, on the almost fiber. like the real internet. <laughs> yeah, you know? almost like first world. God, uh, you know. So here, here's the thing. I, I having, I mean, I have a lot of different tablets, and the ones without USB are the ones I use the least. Ah, I see. Now there are reasons for that. One is because they're Dell. It's. <laughs> One is because it's really convenient to be able to plug media in on an external device. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't really matter how fast your connection is. When you're talking like an 8 gigabyte file, it takes time to copy over wireless. So even on, a, on your LAN. Uh, th- but the other thing is peripherals, right? So I really like being able to plug in a mouse, for example. There's, yeah, there are some things I do where I really want a mouse or a keyboard. Okay. Uh, and I want to be able to plug in stuff like that. USB is quite important. I mean, at the end of the day, we, you know, everything comes in a little USB stick, and you mm. can. Sh- and we we forget there's a big market out there for people swapping memory sticks, being micro SDs and USB sticks. So someone managed to download 12 songs legally or illegally, it doesn't matter. It's not the discussion. But once they've got it, they'll go and share that stick with their friend, 
and their phone will stick it into their machine and make a copy. I, I call bullshit. I think you're both old fuddy duddies. <laughs> I think really, st- I, I think, like, I think stuff like that will, will hit the cloud straight away. So yeah, that, that, but, I, that I agree. Forget, but who's going to pay for it? Just don't forget, it's not. We're not talking about. We talk about the masses out here. Mm-hmm. The guys who carry no, two sim cards. You're talking about. You're talking about people's user usability user user preferences as opposed to the lack of broadband. The lack of broadband is what's going to keep people from doing that. Uh, there's, a, there's a distinct difference. Uh, and, uh, I, and I think... I think You still can't get an external mouse in the cloud, though. <laughs> you can. It doesn't work so well. You, you can get a Bluetooth <laughs> mouse, really. And, and the idea between, of a tablet, if you've noticed, is you don't need a mouse. You can just put your finger on the screen and move that around. Have you, have you no, noticed that? No. Say it outside. Can you do that on your Surface you, RT? You, no, probably not. No, it does, it does actually have a touch screen. They got that right. Um, so, <laughs> y- yes, but when I'm sitting at my desk at work, mousing around like mad, that gets really tiring on the arm if you have to keep lifting your arm off the desk. So, actually, a mouse is, is just better. And a keyboard. A decent and, keyboard. And a keyboard. Nothing that goes click, 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 click as you're typing, typing away. Well, you, you can have this one, which has no feedback. It's got no feedback. Okay, I'm, I, I, and you have You're no overselling idea. it. Give me the clicks. Give me the clicks any day. Well, uh, Leron, let's uh, let's see if you've got a, a, a more salubrious gadget Salubri- of the week. Well, my gadget of the week, which I thought was a biggest load of mm, initially when I got it. You, oh, Gareth Cliff will let you swear. Is it right? Okay, yeah. Biggest load of shit initially, which was the treasure tag from Nokia. So it's a little device that kind of you can hook up onto a, key, a set of keys or into your phone, onto basically anything. You pair that up with an app on your phone. doesn't have necessarily have to be a Windows phone or a Nokia phone. It could be any phone. And when you're out of range, it actually alerts you saying, hey, Durst, you forgot your keys uh, you know, at a certain point. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, I thought this thing was a bit of a joke initially, and at 540-odd rand, not a cheap joke to, to have to work out that it's ridiculous. But I'm finding more and more people are saying, hey, that thing actually saved me. I yeah. left my phone. I left my keys. I left my purse. I lost all of my those. child. Dude, that this, kind of thing. Yeah, there, there, there's quite a big market for these things building up overseas, and they are actually fantastic. Uh, and especially you know, with with the kids, you know, when you take them to something like an amusement park, the biggest fear that a parent has is, you know, when they go on the you know their slide or whatever it happens to be, I want to make sure they come down the other side. Um, and proximity sensors have become quite a big thing, wearable devices. That as soon as you're out of range or without outside of a geographic area that you've located, then it will alert the parent with an SMS and a link to a Google map saying, "Hey, this is where your child is." Yep. It's a huge market, and especially if you're playing on the whole paranoia of your you know, kidnapping parents, mm. etc. Yeah, so kidnapping parents. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you'll take be surprised. The, take the parents. Parents are parents are bad news. <laughs> you got to take them out the mix. But you want devices to do this in. I mean, there's, there's amusement parks overseas that you rent these things that hook up onto your child's wrist and they cannot leave the grounds. Hmm. You want to look one of these things. Yeah. That, uh, that's, a, that's a great thing to do. Um, hmm. we, uh, we have a, a message from, on uh, WeChat from Eloise Fitboy and she says, my, Samsung has the, my husband has the Samsung Active and every time I need to use it, in brackets, only when he uses my iPad, close brackets, I want to throw the fucking thing against the wall. That's known as the John Tullet, the husband of the tablet. <laughs> yes, that's a good question. But that's known as the John Tullet Dell moment. Okay. Um, anyway, is I... There a, uh, no, but no question. Was there a question in there? No, it was just a statement. Just does, a statement. Her and her husband are getting divorced person. as we speak. 
because she keeps on throwing him up against the wall. Um, say. Well, uh, let, let's talk about something different for, for a change. Let's talk about, we were talking about different tablets and the growth of the market and where it's going to go. And, and John, if I'm not mistaken, you're of the belief that, or you both are, that there's a big growth opportunity for Microsoft to grow in a kind of enterprise space where tablets become the replacement devices for laptops or something else and a, and a, a professional tablet, as we, we're going to call the, the Surface or the Note yeah. Pros, Samsung's bigger ones, um, bigger tablets, that because they have a USB. Do you think that's where things are going to grow, or are we going to see more of a case of, of bring your own device? We're going to see, well, I've already got an iPad, why buy something else, and I'm going to take it along with me? But, yeah, well, for, for sure. So so I, th- I think what we'll see is is pretty simple. So I... Um, yeah, I want that that whole workspace, right? I want the multiple screens, peripherals, all that kind of good stuff. I'd like to be able to bring my own tablet to work and plug it into a work-supplied environment and just have everything magically work. Um, I think there's a, a, a huge potential gap here for Apple, I must be honest. If you take a look at, take a MacBook Air, uh, de- detach the keyboard and the screen and make them kind of dockable, um, I think that would sell to executives like crazy. So, uh, and that And that would then... Give me but exactly is the that same a, is solution. that not an iPad Air with uh, you know one of Logitech's very well, slim keyboards? N- no, not not until iOS and the OSX are integrated. So I actually I want I want to be able to run the OSX apps. I want to be able to. I, th- I think that just just as a sorry, sorry Liran, I'll come back in a second. Just as I, just as an aside to that, I think I think what Apple's doing with their strategy is making handoff between devices easier. They are. Instead of having, they, they want you to have all three, a phone, a tablet, a, a laptop, but they want it to be easier for you to, when you start reading on one device and you move to the next device, your browser pages will be open. Mm. Um, that would mean I'd have to have about yeah. 150 tabs open on my <laughs> iPhone, you know. Um, and that's, and that's, well. the, that's the problem for me. Exactly. It doesn't end well. Yeah. So I, what I, what I do on my PC does not translate well it's to like what that. I do on my tablet. I, I agree. So that, that seems to be there. You were going to say, Yeah, well, it's, it's not just bring your own device anymore. It's bring your own everything. It's bring your own X, B-Y-O-X, they're calling mm. it. Because I like to work with Evernote. So that's my app. So why can't yeah, I bring too. my own app to, to work? The fact that my business doesn't support it, that's the way I like to operate. But then there's wearables, bring your own wearables. Now that I use a Google Glass when it comes out, should I be able to bring that to work? So it's bring everything. Because there's so many work applications oh, for that already. I mean, wow. really, really is, truly, <laughs> truly, I can say that nobody's business will suffer if they don't find a way to integrate glass holes you into <laughs> their business. I mean, I, it's not, it's, right. it's a great demonstration of what is possible. Sure. This is not version 1.0, this is like 0.3. No, but I, no, I've tried a set. They 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 profoundly unuseful. It, it, cool great for conversation. Cool exactly. factor, amazing. Right. Everyone thinks you tuck it in your sock. <laughs> Everyone, you know, you coolest whatever. I've seen people in the states. They do nothing. Yeah, yeah. But if you think about kind of your um, the Galaxy Gear, you know, you're one of the wearable devices that can read your mails onto your device. IT techies and kind of IT administrators have to understand that that's another loophole in their system that they have to close down or at least control. Yeah, but the, the bigger the bigger problem I think is the bring your own apps. That that that's sure. a, that's a huge problem. So uh, there there are a couple of a couple of issues there. So one is that you have your own Gmail account or Evernote or Dropbox, whatever it may be, and now you start putting kind of company information into that. Right, it's obvious. Uh, you, you, sure. You're having IT problems at work. The easiest thing to do is just mail yourself the documents you're working on. 
At which point? Do you know, do you know how many people do that? Exactly that. With, uh, with anybody with their not Gmail do that? Account? Yeah. So, no, but I mean, that's what happens. Your first engagement is always at official company name. Your second and third engagement says, listen, my work's too slow. Just email to my Gmail. Well, here, slightly tangential, but so um, Haroon Mir, who I'm sure you guys know. Sure. He's, yeah. Yeah. So South African security luminary, he gave a presentation at our security summit this year. One of the things he talked about was he did a Google search for yeah. South African government sites where your contact was at gmail.com, and there yeah. were dozens. dozens. And like, yahoo.com as well. Yeah, well, that's free, right. free Really? Like, and, I mean, this is government. Well, and, and it was an official government's correspondence, which they used their own yeah. personal Gmail address. There's no security risk yeah, here no. whatsoever. Oversight? What possibly of that. go wrong? So anyway. And so, the child porn, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so, so big, big problem. And, and I, I think it could have been Gartner who coined the term shadow IT, but that's the term we're using for it now. Shadow IT is where people have their own apps and, and they put information to it. Very, very, very difficult for organizations to get that under control. That, so on the one hand, it's a big problem, right? Because you had me at shadow IT. It sounds really cool, doesn't you it? Have to say, like, you have to say it like Catwoman. Shadow IT. <laughs> For nine ninety nine a month, you can get. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. <coughs> yeah. So problem. The, so on the one hand, big problem because BYOX at shadow. Only only you can make IT. Is that domain available? That's got to be a domain. Got to be able to buy that. On one hand, it's a problem. On the other hand, I've always maintained that it's also an enormous opportunity because basically shadow IT happens because your IT department has failed. They have failed to give you the so user what they sure. need, right? This, the, the ability to move files around or do CRM or whatever the hell it is. So people are now firing stuff up. But that's a good thing. That means people are so dedicated to productivity that they're willing to make this end run around the IT department. So – Great. Those are guys you should be <laughs> celebrating, not punishing. These, you know, these are guys who are so keen to work. They can do any mile. Anybody who's found how to work without having to deal with the IT department, <laughs> make them the CRO. <laughs> Just so, yeah. So, and and I think that people, there's going to be an age of enlightenment where we stop seeing shadow shadow IT as a bad thing and we start to embrace it as a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, and start firing the IT managers who are forcing us to do it. Right. Well, okay. I think it's sentimentality. Sorry know, if you're one of them, by the way. No, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we <laughs> well, like IT people listening. Guys. We like but IT guys, but if if you're if you making can't us do the do job, this. but that's the whole thing. They're putting the stumbling blocks, <laughs> and then you've got to go around them by coming up with all these weird and wonderful systems. It's not an indication of you; it's an indication but of it, how shocking yeah. the IT is. Well, I want to say, yeah, I want to say in defence of network administrators and security administrators. I mean, most of them are dealing with. You know, the, the, something from the arc. Sure. You know, I mean, the big organizations I've been to. And not just the I tech, mean, the policies as well. Yeah, I mean, it's the, 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 the Hands are tired. management doesn't understand. They don't understand about uh, uh, the requirements. What's a King Ox, Oxbane? King, King 3 and Sarbanes Oxley? Yeah, Sarbanes Oxley and King 3 and requirements and archiving. Yeah. And I mean, they just don't get it. So these poor guys are stuck between a rock and a hard place. Um, and they're implementing... You know, crazy old systems. I mean, I, I worked at a large media company where because I had my own laptop, myself and Jason Norwood Young. Jason was running Ubuntu on a ThinkPad, and I was running a Mac. And they let my, my they let me on the network, but they wouldn't let Jason on until he ran security software on Ubuntu. <laughs> Ubuntu. <laughs> I mean, it's really it's like listening to John Rand's about Dell. It's like <laughs> Jason trying to have a conversation with some poor guy on the phone, like. 
it's Ubuntu. They don't make security software for Ubuntu. It's like you don't need it. It works. It's it was it really was one of those like hysterical conversations you cannot retell with the same insanity. Anyway, right. so so there is a there is a big possibility, and it's you know there's another thing. You know there was a time where look at how the, 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 the mores of business or the, the mores of society shift. You know, there was a time where working from home was considered slack and lazy. Mm. You know, now people people um, advocate it and push for it because they don't want to pay for a desk. You know, so, so there's, a, there's a level of responsibility that workers are being given, whether they're there or not, merely because businesses want to slim down on, on, on overheads. So, so, so it's a, is a, there is a profound shift there. So, you know, as much as I don't want to buy someone a desk, and if I don't have to buy them a laptop and they come and work for me, great. Use your laptop, you know. But Definitely. how do I keep my data secure? I don't think I don't think the average business. I mean, you do a lot of consulting yeah. to to medium sized and SME businesses. I'm, I know from some of the stories you've told me that people simply don't understand security, like having a password that's a password sure. is a really bad security threat. Uh, and, and how did you guess, Toby? <laughs> Everybody, please change your password, but not to one, two, three. But uh, you know, what happens is that if you look on the other side, where you're trying to kind of recruit good people, especially the younger kind of guys who just graduated from, from college um, and got above 33.3% minimum requirement, they are saying, we'd rather take a less paying job as long as I've got flexibility, I've got Wi-Fi, and I've got the ability to work from home. I'd rather take less money than be subjected to be at work at eight, sit in traffic, so businesses have to understand that's the generation that they're growing up with. That's the generation they've got to kind of appease and make available. Otherwise, they'll simply get good talent going to a competitor mm. who's got that thing right. So yep, it's absolutely. the other side of the coin as well. Mm. I've got a question for both of you. Now, there's Ooh, lots, lots of apps that have come out recently, which like are rivaling Snapscan. Oh, sorry, Allah, Snap, Snapchat. Snapchat, you know, the one yes, that can send yes. the message and disappears. Actually, bo- both statements are true. Both there are, statements there are true. several yes. apps. We can discuss that later, FlickPay and, and Zapper, but we'll get to that. Yes, yes that's right. So on the photo sharing application that it kind of goes out, it takes a picture, it lives on the other person's phone for a period of time and then disappears. Recently, we've had Instagram that's launched Bolt, and we've had Facebook that's launched their app. I can't remember the name offhand. A slingshot. There we go. And there was quite a big thing about how the fact that South Africa was chosen as one of the testing grounds for the Instagram app, the Bolt. And people went on and downloaded it. Has anybody actually used that app? Is there any need for this? What do we think of these applications as a whole? Everyone's I, looking I, blank. I, no, I haven't. I saw, I, 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 you know, for personal reasons, I haven't been online much or on my phone much for the last week. So I really haven't followed a lot of the stuff that's been going on or that's happened. But um, uh, I, I kind of, I don't know if that's like, communicates yeah, my uh, weariness. Much. But about, it, it seems to be that way. Oh, look, there's another, another. Snapchat clone and there's a um, shot. Oh, I read a headline somewhere. There's a new shot. What's it? Charlotte Chatreul. That, uh, that, um, the precursor to Snapchat, you know, that like randomized video chatting. Like Charlotte's Web or something uh, yeah, similar. Yeah. Not all the Chat roulette. 
Chatrelet. Sorry, I was trying to show my French. Chatrelet. You know, I mean, like really, in the best sense possible, who gives a shit? Well, you know, that, like, well, that's the question. They would have not spent all this money launching this um, this application unless there was a market, or unless they're trying to appease those teens who are leaving Facebook by the drones. Well, so how how much is it worth to have an app that just sends a message to someone saying "Yo"? Well, <laughs> really? I've had my say on this. On I am constantly astounded at I mean the stupid shit the that people will dumbest, put money down for. Dumbest app ever. I, I want to. Who's the dumber? The person created it or the person who funded the fucking thing? Yeah. Yo, <laughs> yo, yo. What's up? No, what's up? Two words. Now, no, if you take if you take like what's up? No, what's up's one word. What's up? And you look at how very cleverly um, that became a TV ad. Who was it? It was it was Bad Bad Waza. What's up? I mean, there was even a Jewish one. Well, you know, Shalom, Shalom. <laughs> Anyway, no, uh, yes, dumbest app ever. They've done nothing with it, and hopefully it'll die a quick and very oh, painful what, what death you, and leave us what, alone. What would you do with it? Yo. <laughs> you would <were> Joe. But, <laughs> you Rolls know, it's, it's exactly, I mean, but that's the thing, right, is that these things get astonishing numbers of users signing up for them. They I, get I know. big I mean, valuations. This is, this is where I feel like I'm old-fashioned, that I have like a, like a, a bizarre sense of this thing called privacy. Like my private what? life is my life, and I don't want to communicate it online. And I, you know, I, I, I suppose we're in a very high-profile profession, Jones, especially in the social media age. But my private life is my private life. I don't want to communicate it. I don't want to do things. And I, I suppose it's you know, if you're single and 18 and you want to send flashes of your genitals to someone else, and that that works. Go Apparently back. that works. I'm how funny daddy do I sound right now? <laughs> Great, go for it. You know, good for you. you no know. big. Yeah, but but is it, that's the market. I mean, at the end of the I day. I hope no one works out how to do a screenshot, you morons. I mean, how is that about <laughs> about Snapchat? Like, it disappears. Ah, oh, screenshots. No, but, uh, and then they added yep. the functionality that it told you if somebody took a screenshot. But it's too late. Yeah, it's great. out there already. Great. great. You people dumb enough to send pictures of the nudie selfies. Yeah. What can you do? It's not as it's. I mean, it's there's a there's a there's a there's a beauty and an irony and a, a real sense of humour in the um that woman who sold the yellow dress on eBay. Do you remember that famous story about oh, a, a year, over a year ago, a year and a half ago? She she um she decided to sell this dress, so she hung it on a on a cupboard door and took a photograph. But what she didn't realise is that she was naked, but a for a bra. Oh yeah, <laughs> in the reflection in the mirror. So she posted this. I picture. remember that. And uh, there was this huge privacy outcry. Do they take it down? Don't they? But by, by which time it was viral. It was like all over 4chan. And it was, you know, Reddit had multiple boards running of, of spoofs of it. And, and you just have to feel for her. She's like totally, genuinely just like was halfway through getting dressed and obviously thought, hmm. oh, I don't wear this dress anymore. I'll just sell it on eBay. Anyway, that's that's you feel for them. Anyone who willingly sends a picture, of, naked picture of themselves, to the internet, which is has no privacy whatsoever anymore, you know, I'm sorry, you you're dumb enough to do that, you get what you deserve. Yeah, yeah, wait, I, 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 I struggle to feel sympathetic for someone that's for nothing, stupid. Right? I must be honest. 
Anyway, let's uh, get into that time of the show where we, we choose our picks and our pick-ons of the week. Mm. So, uh, John, seen as you're in fine form, yeah. fine metal, so what, what's what's yours? Just as a as a whole category, I think I've been I've been looking at energy technology quite a bit lately, and me been, too actually. There's been a lot of very exciting developments in solar power generation mm. in um, these guys that have, have created a, a pure lithium anode, which should give us a greatly improved capacity for lithium batteries, stuff like that. I mean, we we tend to we tend to bitch a lot about kind of the st- how battery life is is poor. I mean, great big screens that are eating battery and so on and so on. But um, on both counts, on both the 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 storage side of things, so battery technology looks like it's set for for some pretty radical improvements in the near term, which is great. And you know, the stuff's always kind of 10 years away, but this actually looks like it might happen sooner. Uh, and then on the renewables front as well, there's been some some phenomenal uh, some phenomenal stuff happening lately. So I'm, I'm, I've been quite excited about that. Well, thank you. There you go. I'm, I must say I've been very intrigued as well because there's been some interesting developments in that big solar system that's going to be built here. Uh, I can't remember the figure off the top of my head, but it is a couple of hundred million, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Samsung's building a plant in South Africa as well. There's a, there's a lot of interest in it. You know, a mm. few years ago, Al Gore, 20, 2011, Al Gore was here at the Discovery Conference, Leadership Conference, whatever they called it now, and they um, they he was talking about the green economy, and he was saying the green economy now has more jobs in America than the old oil economies. Mm. Um and he said it, he, he made a really clever point, which of course so many people fail to think about how all technologies tend to follow Moore's law, and that mm. the solar panel industry, that green technology, is getting twice as good for half the price every year and a half, every 18 months. Mm. The, the product gets twice as good, twice as fast, twice more, twice as much capacity, yeah. and yeah. is halved in price. So, so really, it's very encouraging stuff, and I. I still maintain Africa is, is the perfect solar panel place, and the technology involved in, in converting the the photovoltaic technology involved in converting the sun's rays into electricity is uh, is it's a chemical reaction essentially. It's really that's really up there. Hmm. No, no, about, there's, there's some great stuff happening. A, a large amounts of Europe are now have moved on to renewable sources entirely. So uh, it's very exciting. Really did exciting you, time. Do you see that SAA? Is now looking at create using tobacco to create biofuels for their planes, and they're saying that you need to use a sustainable crop. They don't want to use something like maize because that will just simply raise the price of yes. food. So tobacco, lots of industry, lots of work, lots of potential, and they're trying out in Limpopo. And if they get that right, it's <laughs> going to be not smoking the stuff. They're just going to kind of make it into oil. It's a farming success story in Limpopo. A power success story. Isn't that where Madupi is? A power success story from Limpopo. I can see the headlines. I can see the cartoons. Well, renewable. But that's, that's what we're I, up I, Yeah. That's a real thing. It wasn't April Fool's. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. I mean, I wish I, I, wish I had something positive and optimistic to speak about this week. Um, I... Uh, I don't, so nor do I have a pick on. Um, you can pick on my, my Surface RT. Everyone else does. Oh, no, Johnny. I know, that's I never, all yours, eh? I never, kick a man. <laughs> I never kick a man when he's down. You know, that's just not fair. Um, I, I'll, I'll save you for a bit of closing words. 
which I saw, which was quite interesting, was a posting on Craigslist yes. saying that the reason the service in the restaurants are so shocking is actually because of you. And not you specifically, but because of the people. Why? And they said, well, what happened was a restaurant captain getting very bad reviews, saying how shocking the service is. So in order to counter that, they hired more staff, they did better training, and nothing seemed to work. So what they did was they looked at security footage from a couple of years ago, from 2004, compared it to security footage from 2014. So here's what they found. In 2004, yeah. customers came in, they got their menus, 45 out of customers out of three, uh, sorry, 45 customers requested to be seated elsewhere. They ordered, they got their food, they ate, stayed in the restaurant for a minute and five. Okay, why sorry, one hour and five minutes, sorry. Fast forward 2014. Okay, customers come in, customers get seated, they get menus. 45 customers, out of 45 customers, 18 request to be seated elsewhere. They take selfies, they take foodies, they talk to the waiter. The waiter says, have you decided what you're having? Not yet, because we're still talking to each other. They then text. They then send more messages, more Instagrams. Customers open the menu, placing their phones on hold whilst they do that. Long story short, 26 out of 45 customers spend an average of three minutes taking photos of their food. Okay, I mean, that's just fucking insane. 14 customers. Are, I've seen Gareth Cliff do it all the time. All the time. Love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always selfing himself. But look at me with this hamburger. And this cappuccino. Look at the smiley. Right, so 27 out of 45 customers ask their waiter to take a group photo. Then they get pissed off with the waiter when he gets it wrong and he asks them to do it again. (laughs) Then they can't find the Wi-Fi, so they ask for the Wi-Fi password, getting pissed at the waiter that he can't help them configure their device to hook onto the the store. Uh, This thing goes on and on and on. Long story short, it used to be one hour from start to finish. It's now close to two hours from start to finish. So basically the restaurant is saying, fuck you. The reason we're taking so long for you to get you seated is because you're taking too many selfies and asking the waiters way too many questions. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh, it's very interesting because no longer is your restaurant a food venue. It's a social. And, and, and of course, you know, if it's an hour per, per table, suddenly my, you're getting half God. as much money. The idea that people might go to a place and socialize as a group. No, exactly. No, right. listen, we're who's, not, being, we're not thinking as socialists here. We're not thinking as people who want... Ideas to spread. We're thinking as cutthroat restaurateurs I'm, I'm sorry, watching our real table. estate being sure. compromised and dominated by the Gareth Cliffs of the world <laughs> and the bloody selfies with their chicken salad. I, I mean, sorry. it's just a chicken salad, Gareth. I'm I'm sorry they wanted a production line with me at the end of the sausage machine, but no. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 there was a great sign in one of the restaurants mm-hmm. saying, Wi-Fi's down, talk to each other. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> you know... Um, and that's what it boils down to. That's no? fascinating. I really want those statistics. Oh, I'll, I'll, it's, a, it's on my blug. Is there? Self, oh, no, selfish a, plug. Oh, no, yes, yes. His <laughs> blog is thetechieguy.coza. Um, and uh, as we head towards the end of the hour, uh, Liron Segev. Oh, nice. Thank done. you very much. The techie guy, as he calls himself, .coza. Thank you. Um, man of many things and, uh, and the ability to rise above once being a blogger. Oh, nice. John Tullett, uh, the editor of everything. I really want to say the editor of fucking everything <laughs> at ITWeb. That's, that's actually what it says on my business card. I love that. And uh, and I'm Toby Shapshak. I hope you've enjoyed uh, this hour-long expose of all things technological and why Gareth Cliff takes more selfies of him with chicken salads than anyone alive. Thanks for joining us. This has been Stuff Central on cliffcentral.com.